It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 273 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at LockedOnRaptors. Uh, you can find links to every single episode. Of course, LockedOnRaptors is also part of the LockedOn Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. And of course, you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Uh, make sure you check out yesterday's episode of the podcast. It's the second day of the Locked On Raptors trivia tournament. It was a really good one. It's a long-ass episode. It's like two hours long, but uh, there was sudden death rounds. There was a big upset. Uh, it was a really fun time, so make sure you check it out. Check out the updated bracket on the Locked On Raptors website. I posted the bracket in the post for the podcast, so uh, really fun stuff going on over there. we got more matchups coming up this weekend and uh, good times being had all around. Uh, all right, on today's show, I am going solo today. Uh, usually... <clears throat> also make sure to find the podcast on iTunes leave a rating leave a review all that stuff I've asked you to do a million times before uh, I appreciate anyone who takes the time it takes no time at all and uh, very much helps to make us more popular and make us more visible and all that good stuff so uh, thank you in advance for doing that uh, on today's show I'm going solo I'm just going to do a bit of a trade deadline preview um, it's hard to really preview the Raptors trade deadline this season it's not like it was last year where there was a lot of sort of balls in the air the Raptors had already made a trade for Serge Ibaka ahead of the deadline and you know there were the rumors of PJ Tucker or whoever else floating around out there ahead of the deadline and like it seemed like it was kind of an all-in season for the Raptors 
Not quite that this season because there's a lot of different reasons. And actually, today's podcast is just going to be five reasons. I'm going to roll through them why the Raptors don't need to or just won't make a trade uh, this this season at the trade deadline. And I think that's totally fine. Um, we'll do that. And uh, I guess we can dive right into it right now. Uh, again, the Raptors are in a weird spot because there's just not a whole lot they can do. There's not a lot of flexibility. And there's just a lot of, a lot, a lot of bigger picture reasons why they might not want to make a trade. So let's get into those reasons right now. Reason number one. They might already be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I'm actually going to play a clip from you. This is from uh, David Locke's podcast last week, the Locked on NBA show, which you should definitely subscribe to, rate, and review, because David Locke is a really, really smart dude. Uh, he's talking, and we talked about this a bit on the podcast he was with Omni with uh, after the Jazz game a couple weeks ago, um, and sort of he mentioned it in our short little interaction next to the bus for the Jazz, the team bus. Um, but I'll, I'll play this clip for you. It's from his podcast last week. I think it came out on like Friday or Thursday or Friday, um, and just sort of he kind of sums up the situation where the Raptors the Raptors are in and sort of the argument for potentially making a trade so here we go Toronto's done this brilliant thing where they have this young crew of of Van Vliet and DeLon Wright and OG Ananobi who's going to be great at least looks to me like he's gonna be great um Pascal Siakam Jakob Pertl they have all they have these young guys I'm not sure I think any of those guys are are playoff ready they have this other core that is Lowry DeRozan Valanchunas um, and I'm forgetting somebody in, oh, in Ibaka. I think they're the best team in the East. The question is whether Masai Ujiri is willing to move those young kids to go get one or two established players and, and, and lose a little bit of that future because I think if he does, he makes the NBA Finals, and he might make the NBA Finals for a year or two before Boston becomes a beast. So once again, that's the boss man, David Locke, sort of assessing where the Raptors are at with their roster construction. And, like, his argument makes sense. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the Raptors have had issues in the playoffs before. I do, I do think they're kind of being overblown a little bit in conversations about what this Raptors team is going to be. Because I do think that, like, the, the change in terms of how they play is very real. And even though there have been issues late in games with crunch time and maybe some reverting to old habits, I think that's more natural to happen in crunch time because, uh, you know, just isolation ball becomes more prominent for all teams in crunch time. Uh, but I think the way the Raptors have played throughout the course of most of their games kind of, you know, hints at maybe they won't be in so many crunch time situations or sort of on the thread against, you know, worst teams in the playoffs um, because they are just, they're, they're, they're much better and they're sort of just taking care of business earlier in games. I mean, obviously playoffs are closer and, and it's more difficult and closer defense, closer games in, in, in general. But I do think the Raptors just, the way they're playing for 45 minutes of games does kind of hint to me that they're going to be a better playoff team this season, a more, you know, equipped playoff team, a little easier, a little less easy to stop and to sort of game plan for. And I think that matters. So when you when you look at sort of the the, the lack of playoff readiness for the young guys, I mean, that that's fair. I think, you know, it's hard to really pencil in young guys to be successful. I mean, OG Ananobi's a rookie. He's had some ups and downs this season. His shot has gone back and forth. And I think the biggest issue with those guys is not maybe not so much their playoff readiness or whatever that intangible thing is. It might just be that they're not great shooters. And that might be sort of a limiting factor as it's been in the past for the Raptors. You know, Patrick Patterson, Damari Carroll, even Corey Joseph and, and PJ Tucker even at times last season, um, you know, not being excellent shooters kind Kind of limits to you and what you can do in terms of how your offense is working, uh, and it sort of makes it easier to load up on DeRozan and Lowry if you know teams aren't going to be scared of Pascal Siakam, you know, making you, you know, making you pay for for loading up on the stars, um, and that's totally fair. So from that perspective, you can totally argue that yeah, maybe they need an upgrade, maybe they need a better shooter, a little bit extra playmaking. You know, a guy like Tyreek Evans who shot well and also is a bit of a playmaker as well when the ball's in his hands. I can understand where you're coming from there, but. 
My whole thing is that I don't think the Raptors really need to make a move in order to take advantage of this Eastern Conference. It's different because obviously the Cavs are still a thing uh, and it's the finals you're trying to make and not the Eastern Conference finals like it was a couple years ago. But I do think it's kind of similar to the 2015-16 season. If you remember, there was like a lot of talk leading up to that deadline. Should the Raptors trade for Marcus Mar- Markeith Morris or Ryan Anderson or someone like that uh, to try to bring them in to you know help establish them as like, yes, a favorite to make it to the conference finals. And my whole thing with that team was like, look at the Eastern Conference. I still think that team can make a conference finals without making a move. Ultimately, that was correct. They didn't make it easily, of course. The Indiana and Miami series were ugly and they were slogs and they were terrible, but they made it nonetheless. And I still think I stand by like the statements I would have made back then. Like, yeah, I think they're good enough to make the finals or the conference finals. And like, that's the goal for this season. You're not beating the Cavs no matter what. There's no move out there that's going to get you past the Cavs. Um, so the goalposts goal move a little bit this season because obviously you're looking at the finals as like the goal, I would think, if you're the Raptors considering the state of the Eastern Conference. And David mentioned in there that the Celtics aren't quite the unstoppable beast that they're going to be and I do have serious questions about the Celtics offense uh, come playoff time and we're going to see the Celtics tonight and I'm very excited for it it should be a blast Um, but I do think with the way the teams are playing right now with the way the Raptors have played defense this season which is a a market improvement over what they were for most of last season before they made the trades um, and I just think the way they're playing offense I think they're more cut out to potentially you know get through the first couple rounds a little more easily and maybe get to a conference finals and then get to a finals like if the Cavs are playing this poorly and they don't do anything at the deadline of course things can change the Cavs could pull off some move because they always pull moves out of their asses but I do think the Raptors are good enough to potentially reach a finals as is and I'm not sure there's a move out there that changes their ceiling all that much I think just we'll get to some of the other reasons why I don't they're going to make a move but I just I'm not sure there's a move out there anywhere that makes sense for the Raptors financially and that you know works with all the machinations of the cap and the CBA um, and the luxury tax I'm just not sure there's a move out there for a player that's going to change the Raptors from being what they are right now which I think their ceiling is you know potentially make the finals to making them just maybe slightly more able to make the finals um, it, it's hard to say but I, I just don't think there's a move out there and there are other reasons why I would hold off on trading these guys as well uh, which we will get to right now. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Reason number two is that it's really damn hard to make a trade for the Raptors with their salary structure. Uh, You know, when you look at the roster, two-thirds of it is on rookie deals. There's just not a lot of money to send out. Uh, If you're looking at anyone with a a meaningful salary, you're looking at two, potentially three of the young guys uh, to even sort of cobble together something. Uh, We have a little Slack chat going right now with uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. You know, we kind of do these sort of, you know, mock trade deadlines, mock drafts and stuff. Uh, We did, of course, the mock mock draft last season where we sort of made trades and whatever. Uh, We have 
one of those going this season for the trade deadline, and I've been going back and forth with David Locke uh, about the Jazz, and Rodney Hood is interesting, and Derek Favors is available, and Joe Johnson's available, but like it's kind of a non-starter because you know when you get to Rodney Hood, the Raptors are so close right now um, to go. They're going to be over the tax next season, I think, pretty much assuredly, uh, especially if they sign Fred Van Vliet or match an offer sheet or whatever happens with him. Um, like they're going to be paying a ton of money. Norm Powell's uh, extension kicks in as well. Like the Raptors are going to be super expensive next season. So a guy like Rodney Hood doesn't make a ton of sense because uh, he's a restricted free agent as well. Uh, and I don't think they're going to trade any sort of future assets for Rodney Hood, who's probably got a pretty high price tag right now because he is a dude who can hit threes and play multi multiple positions on the wing um, and can be a scorer for you. He'd be very nice in a Raptors uniform for the stretch drive here, but I don't think the Raptors would want to commit to that long term. Uh, and Michael Grange actually reported something about that today, kind of echoing that statement. Um, and then you get to you know Joe Johnson, for example. I'm just using the Jazz as an example because they kind of have different guys with different salary structures. Um, Joe Johnson's making like 10 million bucks a year. He would be very nice to have. Uh, he could also be a potential buyout guy. So I, I don't know if I would be wanting to blow my load to try to get Joe Johnson when he could potentially be bought out by the Jazz anyway. Um, or someone along that line. These are just names I'm throwing out as examples. These aren't like dudes I'm saying are coming to the Raptors or anything like that. Because uh, again, I don't think the Raptors are doing anything. But Joe Johnson makes like 10 million bucks a year. So you're looking at two or three at minimum, probably three of the bigger of the of the rookie contracts. And like at that point, you're trading three dudes who are kind of a bridge to your future uh, and a way to sort of keep your bench costs cheaper for the next couple of seasons, at least uh, in exchange for a guy who's probably going to be gone at the end of the season and is old and maybe isn't very useful in a playoff series, especially defensively. Obviously, you'd like to have Joe Johnson not be you know, be on the Raptors. So he's not on another team that's about to torch the Raptors. But but uh, that, that's a tough one to sort of sell as well. And then you get to the bigger contracts, and it's just, it's really hard because the only big contract the Raptors really have on the books is like Jonas Valanciunas. And you can't trade Jonas Valanciunas right now because his value internally with the team is probably at an all-time high uh you know the way he's played over the last month two months or so like he's been very useful he's kind of made up for some of his weaknesses uh the three-point shooting is coming along he's actually had you know teams are actually starting to you know pay attention to him a little bit you saw Marcus Saul close out on him pretty hard a couple times on Sunday and that can kind of lead to other things it leads to blow-bys like we saw as he's you know improving his handle which is still inexplicable um or like maybe you can kind of work on him hitting cutters with passes and things like that there's lots of things you can do with the Jonas Valanciunas as a shooter just a guy who's out on the perimeter working the elbows and things like that. And then also his defense has been much better. His rim protection, he seems uh, they're being much more conservative with him in the in the pick and roll. He's not really coming up quite as high. Uh, they're having him hang back, and that's been you know useful for him. Obviously, there are certain matchups where that's going to burn you. Uh, you know, like the Warriors are, for for example, a team that he's never been able to hang with really because he just can't come up and sort of navigate that in between space between shooters coming around screens and sort of trying to hang back to prevent drives. It's just kind of been a, an area of weakness for him. But he's been much better of late um and he's obviously very highly valued within the team like he's a they would have offloaded him for a first round or attached to an asset over the summer if they really wanted to and if they were if they felt like he wasn't going to be valuable to them but he has been valuable he's a great rebounder on a team that lacks those um and when you look around the league his value around the league probably isn't very high um so while he's the biggest contract that you can send out it's not really, you know, going to work. With, you're not going to get anything back for it because teams aren't going to be looking to a take on that big money in a summer where there's very few teams that have cap space and bad teams are going to want to maintain cap space to, in order to get assets along with, uh, you know, bigger contracts in the future, like the Nets did with Demari Carroll, for example or like the, the Suns did with Greg Monroe this season. Like, I just can't see the Raptors, you know, finding a team that's willing to take on Valanciunas and then also give them something valuable in return. Um, and, and yeah, there's, so there's just very few things out there. Maybe you could do like a multiple 
piece trade or whatever where you send Jonas out and get a few smaller pieces back, but it's hard to, you know, put all those contracts together. It's And the Raptors have roster space to consider. They have an empty roster spot for a reason this season. Uh, it's in order to stay underneath the luxury tax at all costs, um, because if you go over the tax this season, you end up paying repeater tax and, and, and you're in penalties. And then the third season of this window, uh, that's when the repeater tax would kick in. And that is difficult to maneuver. It makes things a lot more difficult to sort of manage your cap sheet. And you're paying a lot more money in tax when that happens. So uh, just financially, it's really hard for the Raptors to make a trade. They can bring back, um, I believe Blake Murphy has written in his many articles and their invaluable resources, about four and a half million bucks uh, in terms of the size of a salary that they can fit underneath the tax apron. Um, and, you know, that, that's going to be hard to find. There aren't that many guys, if you're sending out, say, for example, a Lucas Nogueira or something like that, who probably doesn't have very much value right now because he hasn't a good season and he's an expiring contract. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Some team's going to have to pay him something. Um, like, you're, I just I don't know what the asset is that you're bringing back in, in exchange for Bay Bay and, like, a second-round pick, for example. Um, the Raptors don't have a second-round pick this season. They have one in 2019, uh, and they don't have a first-round pick they can trade till 2020. Um, and it's just, it, it becomes really hard when you don't have those assets to make those minor little moves that you might be able to improve on the edges. Um, so I don't really think that is on the table either. It's just really hard mechanically for the Raptors to do something. Um, you know, Tyreek Evans has been a name thrown out there, and there are other reasons why he might not work. You know, it, it's hard to say, but I, I just, f- from a financial perspective, it's very hard for the Raptors to come up with anything that actually works and that actually improves the team tangibly. Uh, so that's why I kind of think they'll stand pat. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Reason number three, and this is something that Adrian Wojnarowski touched on in the podcast he did with Zach Lowe yesterday. He was kind of talking about the idea of the Raptors consolidating some of their young guys to bring in a more proven veteran-type player. And first of all, we've kind of touched on the first issue there is that you got to consolidate a lot of those dudes to bring in any sort of meaningful salary and therefore a player who's got a salary, who's worth that kind of salary coming in. Um, obviously, you could, you could potentially do it for a young player on a rookie deal still, but well, like, what do you, it's kind of a lateral move at this point if you're giving up multiple young players um, to, to bring in another young guy or whatever it's going to be. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking at that, I, I don't really see the rush to consolidate these young guys. I think, like I mentioned at the top, I think they're very much good enough to make it to a finals this season if everything breaks right. And like, you need luck in, in any of these situations. You need the seeding to break correctly. You need the Cavs to potentially kind of be at the end of their win cycle here, which they might be. Like, they might not be able to make a trade here. Um, I'm sure they'll do something, but it might not save them. Kevin Love is out. Isaiah Thomas has been a disaster for them uh, and it is a, a serious liability come playoff time, especially defensively and especially when he's not sort of running the offense. Um, and they just don't have good defensive players. And this might be the season where they are sort of beatable. Um, and maybe the seedings work out so you avoid them altogether. Maybe the, the Celtics take care of them in round two or something like that. We have no idea how the seedings are going to bear out, but that's something to keep in mind for sure. Um, 
And then, yeah, I just think when you look at the young guys, and again, this is what Woj said, it, it, it's kind of hard to sell yourself on giving up two or three of these future guys who are still on rookie deals, who are still super cheap, and are a reason why you're so good right now in order to make a marginal upgrade. And I think if you look at this team right now, I don't know what the rush is. Like, coming into this season, this was always going to be year one of this window. And this was always a year where the Raptors could kind of hang back and not worry about expectations quite as much. Obviously, the goalposts change, move and, and things change because of how the Cavs have played and because of how the East has turned out with Gordon Hayward getting hurt um, and just how well the Raptors have played and how quickly some of these young guys have gotten good and useful. Um, but I still think... To look at this, you know, where the Raptors are at right now, it's still worth looking at them as a three-year project, or at least a two-year project with that third season potentially being a transition season in 2019-20. But, like, this year and next year, next year was always going to be more of the go-all-in season because you're one further year into Lowry and Ibaka's contracts. They'd be expiring the following season. Uh, And you also are one year further into these guys, the young guys on on the roster, developing. And I think that is like a, 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 like, think about where the Raptors are now. And I've mentioned this on the podcast, but think about how good the Raptors bench is right now. The Raptors are a plus team with every single one of their players on the floor and off the court. Like they're just good up and down the roster. Um, Very few teams can go as deep as they can. We'll see how that bears out in the playoffs and how, how many guys end up actually playing come playoff time. But they're a really deep and good team because of the youth that they have. Think about where they're going to be a year from now when DeLon Wright's still on the, he'll be on the final year of his rookie deal. Potentially he gets an extension this summer, which sort of muddies the, the money for 2019-20. But in terms of next season, you still got DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl, Fred Van Vliet uh, will be a restricted free agent. So who knows what's going to happen there with his contract, but he's not going to be, you know, exorbitantly expensive. You would hope. I mean, maybe some team gets out there and goes crazy with an offer sheet, but we'll see you know, how that turns out. Um, but either way, you still have Pertl. You still have... Uh, DeLon Wright, you still have Pascal Siakam, all on their rookie deals, and that is going to be such a huge boost to this team, and this is going to be so valuable to this team to have those guys uh, at such cheap contracts, and just think about how good they're going to be a year from now. Um, they're like they're already sort of ahead of the curve right now. i sorry, I totally forgot OG Ananobi in there as well, um, who's still working through some stuff, getting his athleticism back. I mean, you have four guys who are going to still be on rookie deals next season, plus Norm, plus Fred Van Vliet. Like, this is still the it's still the making of a really good roster for you know cheap of the cheap back end of the bench you know talent uh, and like that just kind of sticks with the model that the Raptors have been going after and I just think a year from now you think the Raptors are good now like the development and obviously things can get derailed we've seen Norm Powell's take a step back this this season maybe guys regress maybe you lose Fred Van Vliet to some team um, but like I do think that this is going to still be like a very excellent bench next season maybe some guys become starters who knows um, and I just think. The the team will look even deeper next season and more steady all the way through the roster with having four guys still on rookie deals who are going to be part of your rotation. Um, so the, cashing them in now, I don't know if it makes sense because you look at sort of the windows that we're talking about and, and the Cavs, maybe LeBron leaves after this season or the Cavs are just still in disarray. It really seems like LeBron's going to leave. The, the, like the Woj stuff yesterday talking about how fractured that entire organization is right now kind of lends to the idea that maybe he's going to you know jet and, and go somewhere else. Finding a location for him to go is a harder to do but that's definitely on the table and you know if he leaves obviously the Celtics will be the Celtics and they'll still be very good and deep but the Raptors will be right there man they're they're very good and it'll be the second year of this window with these guys a little bit further along the development curve the year that they were originally supposed to be at their peak anyway over the course of this three-year window um maybe you're still looking at the Bucks kind of working things out the Sixers still working things out like I think this year and next year are both equally win now-ish type seasons for the Raptors where you can reasonably talk yourself into them being you know a top one or two contender to make the finals 
in the Eastern Conference, uh, barring the Cavs sort of re- reloading and bringing LeBron back, and that sort of changes the entire calculus of everything, but... I don't know why they would sort of go all in this season when they have a very good chance to make it to the finals this season with a with a Celtics team that's shorthanded without Hayward, um, and then also and very good by very good I mean better than maybe they have in the, over the course of this run. I'm not saying they're any by any means favorites to do it. I would say probably like 25 percent. I would say like yeah, I feel confident they can make it at this point, but that's still better than what they've been in the past. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just think when it's already on the table that you can make the finals this season without a move, then I, I don't see why you would sort of go all in and sort of jump the gun when these young guys are going to be just, like that much better a year from now with one more, you know, playoff run in them. Um, you know, some of them it'll be their first playoff experience. And, and I think a year from now, they're going to be much better uh, or at least marginally better. And the team's going to look that much stronger top to bottom while all the other money is kind of locked in. Um, it, like it's going to be an expensive team and having those young guys in the, at the back of the bench is still going to be super valuable. And reason number four is that there's not really any candidates that fit into the sweet spot for the Raptors. I kind of mentioned it off the top, but like who out there is really sort of on the market that you could realistically talk yourself into? The DeAndre Jordan thing, he's too expensive. Uh, it becomes super complex. Same with Marc Gasol. Um, like you're giving up a whole lot of, in terms of salary. You're setting yourself up for you know bigger contracts. Like DeAndre Jordan is a guy that I don't know if I would want to trade for right now because that comes with the implication that you're going to try to sign him to a new contract and that sort of locks up a lot of money in a 30-year-old center that you're not really sure how the back end of that contract is going to look. Um, and I mean, I guess teams are hoping that he'll opt into his deal for next season, but still, um, it, it's the the bigger the bigger contract guys are really hard to do because again, you have to put together so many Raptors salaries in order to make it doable. Um, and then in terms of the the smaller guys, like again, Rodney Hood. It's tough because he doesn't really fit into the the, the long-term plans as well. Um, I mean, maybe you could trade Norman Powell at some point. And Norman Powell is kind of another tertiary reason as to why I don't think anything's going to happen here is that Norman Powell is probably the easiest guy to trade on the Raptors roster in terms of salary, in terms of what another team might be able to sell themselves on him being. But he's not really, you can't trade him before the deadline because of the six-month ban on trading a guy who signed an extension. Um, So he's not going to be available at the deadline. Uh, But he will be available at the draft and in the summer. uh, And sort of the financials of that are a little tricky. He's, you know, he's at his current cap pit up until July 1st. After July 1st, he's a bigger cap pit that you can trade out. Uh, And in both situations, he will definitely have value. Um, And and so maybe that's the the move that they make later on is, is to sort of offload Norman Powell at some point. You know, kind of very similar to the Terrence Ross thing, where you sign the guy, he's in your future plans, but if the opportunity comes to trade him, like it's useful to have that salary on hand. Uh, you have like CJ Miles' contract, I guess, is the other easy one to move here, but like he's this is a team bereft of shooting. You need CJ Miles on this team right now. Um, he's like the last guy to be looking to deal because of what he brings to the team and how useful his shooting is and how important it's going to become playoffs. Like CJ Miles, I think we're going to see play a lot of minutes come playoff time just because of that shooting. Um, you know, he's been around 20. 20 minutes a game this season. I could see it going up to like 25 to 30 in the playoffs just because of how useful he is uh, and how, you know, his spacing is going to be so valuable. He's probably going to get a lot of the benefit of guys like maybe DeLon Wright or Pascal Siakam playing a little bit less because of their less reliable shooting uh, in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be looking to deal him even though his contract is is reasonable. Um, And then, yeah, it's just all these guys that you're going to potentially trade for, Tyreek Evans, like, I don't know where he plays because, like, yes, he's probably better than DeLon Wright or Fred Van Vliet right now, but he also would completely alter the complexion of what has made that second unit so damn good this season in that it's just, like, a very good defensive unit that moves the ball. It's it's a very egalitarian style of play. They're not an incredible offensive unit. They could use some more on-ball creation, but 
I, I don't know if Tyreek Evans is the guy you want to throw into that. Um, and again, on down the line, like a lot of these guys, like Marco Bellinelli or whoever, like the every, insert name here, all of them have their flaws. All of them kind of would eat up the space that you'd maybe want to just give to a younger guy anyway because they sort of offer a different element. Um, like I'm not sure I want a guy coming in to take Pascal Siakam's role in the team because Pascal Siakam's defense is unbelievable and him running the floor is such an integral part of that second unit's identity that I don't know if I'd want to see, you know, insert power forward here, Ursan Ilyasova or something like that coming in to take over that spot. Um, so I just don't really see that happening either. And yeah, it's just with, with the way the Raptors are set up, there's not an easy place to slot in a new guy. Maybe if you could get a starting caliber three, you could slide OG to the bench, but then you're looking at the starters being so damn good with OG. Like, what do you do uh, if that doesn't work? And like, how do you switch it back? And I mean, obviously they would just do it and switch it back, but then you've made a trade for a guy who maybe is a bit superfluous. So I don't really see the easy sort of fit for any of these guys that people are talking about. Rodney Hood is like, He'd be nice. If it wasn't for the thing where he's an RFA, it would be really nice. But the Jazz is probably going to ask for a lot for him because, again, he's a useful player. Um, and like the, the, you don't just give up on a guy like that for, for nothing. You know, you're not going to get Rodney Hood for Bebe in a second-round pick, which if I'm the Raptors, I'm just calling every team and being like, hey, uh, I'll give you Bebe in a second-round pick. What can you give me? And just see what happens. Because that's really the best package they can put together at this point. Maybe you want to throw in... Uh, I mean, you, I guess... You, like, I, I can't think of one of the young guys you'd want to throw in, really. Um, because Norm's the easy guy to throw in, but you can't trade him yet. So... Uh, I, uh, I I just for all these reasons I just don't think something's gonna happen. There's not really a good candidate. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas has been too good lately to trade his money out. It, it, it's might be too early to consolidate the young guys. Uh, it's really damn hard for the Raptors to make a trade, and also they might already the, already be the best team in the Eastern Conference. They might not need to make a trade. Uh, and you know, having the rest of the league fight it out for the Tyreek Evanses of the world, go for it, man. Um, like go nuts. If the Celtics get Tyreek Evans. Great. I still think the Celtics have issues, and Tyreek Evans doesn't exactly fit into their mold of offense either. So uh, it's kind of an interesting fit. Same with Greg Monroe for them, actually. But uh, we'll talk about the Celtics tomorrow on the, on the podcast because we'll recap that game. I'll probably do one tonight from the ACC. Um, but until then, yeah, it, this is a fun trade deadline because nothing's going to happen, and I love it. Uh, last year was miserable because of the fake trades people were throwing around. None of them were all that realistic. Obviously, the Ibaka one eventually happened, and so did the Tucker one. But uh, it, it's, you know, the. The, pre, the pre-trade deadline stuff drives me nuts when there's, like, conversation about something happening. So when, when the Raptors are kind of at this point where they don't really need to make a trade, they can kind of stand pat. Like, it's a good thing to be in a position where you don't really need to make a trade. Uh, again, you can make the argument like David did that, hey, maybe they should try to cash them in and make good on this season. And there is an argument to that. Like, windows don't last forever. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what will change. You don't know if someone will be hurt next season uh, to sort of change the outlook for the team. But uh, I, I think the way the Raptors have built themselves here, they don't have to go on all in on this season. And I still think they can go without going all in, all in and still find themselves playing in in the finals come April or June and getting their asses handed to them by the Warriors. Like I think that's on the table right now in a way that maybe it wasn't at the start of the season. So uh, for all of those reasons I talked about, the Raptors I don't think are going to do a move at the deadline and I don't think they need to. And I think that is 100% fine. Uh, again, we're back again tomorrow with an episode talking about the Celtics game. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please rate, review on iTunes. Uh, takes no time at all. It's the best way to help out the show, show that you care, all that good stuff. Make sure you check out the trivia episode from yesterday if you have two hours to kill. And uh, it, was a, it was a good time. Make sure you listen to it. There's some good drama in there, uh, even though I repeated a bunch of questions, because coming up with a million trivia questions is so exhausting. Um, but either way, check it out. It was a fun time and uh, a big upset, a big, uh, crazy 
overtime comeback, uh, a wild battle of heavyweights in the final round. It was great. Um, so please check out the Lockdown Raptors Trivia Tournament Day number two. And uh, enjoy the game tonight against the Celtics. Get jazzed up. Get some angry Celtics fans in your mentions because that's always a good time. Um, and uh, we will talk to you again soon with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Have a good one, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.